you're like, oh, should have done that. Not tonight. You're not on the list. Hello, I'm Conor McLoon and welcome to the You're Not On The List podcast produced weekly for Rewind That Track. On this podcast, we interview, dive deep and take a journey into the lives of those in the music industry. Everything from backstage to onstage, we're here to chat to the people that make up the scene. Now, we had a bit of an impromptu three-week hiatus because of life. The world is mad at the moment. Things crop up. Everyone is human. So apologies if you were waiting for a new episode, but it is back. For season two, we're going further and uploading parts of the interview to the YouTube channel the weekend after it's released on audio. So if you want to see the interview, head over to the Rewind That Track YouTube page. My guest this week is a producer and artist from Kent dominating the UKG and bass scene is MPH. During this episode, we discuss how much success he had taking a USB stick out at the start of his career to random events. I was just trying to get any sort of gig, so yeah. I would just go out with my USB. Which city and club has the best audience in the UK? People just go nuts. Like yeah. I have not had a crowd like it anywhere else. And how much of an impact social followings can have on event bookings nowadays? I sent them like just a massive folder of tunes and they were like, right, we're good. Like, we're sorted. My guest this week is an incredible producer and DJ taking the UK bass scene by storm racking up 2.9 million streams in 2021. Listeners across 148 countries played at the likes of Bassfest, Tobacco Dock, E1, releases on Nightbase, 140 Supersize is Michael, Michael fucking hell. <laughs> oh my days, what a star, what a star. Michael, fuck fuck's sake, this guy. Oh, it's Miles Fairbend. Hello, Miles, how are you, mate? Yeah, I'm good. How you doing? Yeah, we're giggling and laughing there because I absolutely just fucked up the intro. Uh, it'll, be, it'll be cut out. It'll be cut out there. But I did just quit yeah. Michael, which is always the best start to an interview. Is uh, in the opening uh, and in the intro, just 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 fuck up the interviewee's name. That's always the best thing to do. <laughs> it's always good. Absolutely the best thing to do. How are you, mate? How are you? What, what's what's been going on in Miles' weekend this weekend? Yeah, I'm good, man. Um, I literally just moved house, which is why everything's sort of echoey because I'm sat in a conference room. Because yeah. uh, I haven't got any internet at the at the place yet, um, but yeah, man, I released a tune on Friday's little remix of uh, a producer called Jemmy. He just released something on a record label called Kiwi Records, and I just did a remix for them. And then yeah, I played at XOYO Friday night for Notion uh, producer called Notion's uh, tour or like outsider debut event. Oh, what was um? Have you played at XOYO before? Yeah, a couple times. A couple times I played for Zinc. Back in uh, January, and then we did like a Kiwi Records Christmas party as well. Both oh. times have been sick, really, yeah. really sick venue. What do you sort of um? What do you prefer? Like, do you sort of prefer playing the sort of s- slightly smaller venues like XOYO and sort of mm. like your hiddens in Manchester and sort of like your smaller ones, or do you prefer like absolute fuck off balls to the wall, massive rooms like warehouse projects and like festivals and bits and pieces like that? For me, definitely just like more intimate venues because. I've always been kind of like disconnected from the crowd. Mm-hmm. Um, I remember just coming out of lockdown. Yeah, the week of when everything opened up, I played at a festival called Stand and Calling and the stage was like really high up. And then mm. like everyone was like way below and I just mm. couldn't even hear any like crowd reactions or anything. Like, really? It was sick. It was sick. It was really good. But yeah, yeah, you just sort of feel disconnected and then you're like kind of just playing to yourself. You hear about like 
stages being further back from the audience, but actual height wise, like that's got to be a bit jarring, hasn't it? Like if you, like you said, you are higher up than absolutely everyone. Yeah. Um, is that, was it just like the audience, the crowd noises weren't sort of traveling because no, you're not at all, not at all. And like, um, yeah, you just look down and see all these like heads and it yeah. just almost looks surreal, especially from two years of just sat in my room, not mm. playing to anyone to then that it was just a bit, yeah, surreal. It's weird, really. Like to, I've touched on it sort of a little bit in the podcast before about sort of the DJ culture of like new wave DJ culture, probably since, I don't know, sort of like the first sort of superstar DJs, like your Tiestos and other bits and pieces like that, where people are actually going to watch the DJ and like look at them and watch them play their set type thing. Um, like back in sort of like the 70s, 80s, 90s, even like with Northern Soul, a little bit disco and bits and pieces, you'd have DJs, but nobody would be like looking at the DJ. They'd all just be like dancing in groups, yeah, like, like looking yeah. at each other, like looking like as, as groups and like looking at people to get together. And then like you said mm. there, it's sort of transitioned over the last sort of 20-ish years of like actual people right looking at the DJ, phones out, filming the DJ, sort of like your boiler room style settings, you like keep hush bits and pieces where like sort of the DJ is surrounding it. Did the set feel strange because you weren't being able to sort of like feed off of the vibes of the audience or was it just like you were happy to be out there again because you'd been in lockdown and it was nice to be out? I mean, like even driving there, um, I was convinced it wasn't going to happen because yeah. obviously we had 21st of June and then... Was it like a couple of weeks before yeah, it just got suddenly pushed back. got pushed back? So I was just like, until I plug my USB into the decks, I will not believe this is happening. And then, yeah. Um, yeah, while I was playing, like, I was just really focused on not like messing up. Mm. Um, and I just look up and just see this like sea of people. Mm. It's just like, wow, <laughs> it's just crazy. Yeah, it was, yeah, it was, uh, it was, it was nice to be back now. What's been your favorite set since we've been back since like lockdown? <laughs> I mean, for me, they've all been like amazing. Uh, even even the ones where they've been like sort of quiet or there's not been many people there. It's just been sick to just get back into it. Um, for me, probably a producer called Salute had me down for a set in Manchester um, at Yes Club. And Champion messaged me before like I got there. So I just posted on my story like set time. Mm. And he was like, oh yeah, I'm going to roll through I didn't think much of, much of it. And then, um, yeah, after the set, like the promoter comes up to me, he's just like, oh yeah, someone's asking for you outside. I come outside and it's champion. I was like, oh my God. He came in and then at the end, me, Salute, Karma Kid and champion all did like a massive back to back. And it was just, that's sick. You know, obviously Champion's one of my idols, so it was just yeah. crazy to go back to back with him. And the amount of dubs he had was just yeah. ridiculous. So Champion for people listening, like UK funky uh, DJ, like bass DJ as well. Um, well respected in the scene. Uh, what was the, was it RKS? Uh, no, that's Roscas. Uh, did he, what was, what was Champion's label called? Uh, formula records that's it yeah, yeah yeah formula that was it and yeah absolutely like I said the amount of dubs he's got um, the amount of like dub plates and different bits and pieces on the releases on that label was phenomenal so like you said getting that back to back to back to back there um, in Manchester in Yes which is a sick club as well um, yeah. must have been yeah must have been phenomenal it must have been a really good vibe and like you said if you look up to someone as well and you've like because he's been around for a while hasn't he like champion like probably like active in the industry for like I'd say like the last yeah, 10 years yeah he's definitely years. like one of, the, one of the pioneers for like that sort of new UKG based yeah. sound yeah so then to have him roll through and be like oh can I jump in and like oh can we jump on and stuff like that and I was just like pinching myself at the side yeah. I was like this is really happening but that's yeah. such a compliment to you as well isn't it like of him rolling through and like you yeah wanting to get involved and, I know um, I did not like, did not expect it at all I was yeah. just like yeah there's no way there's no that's way that's and then as well as um, sort of like you mentioned there the, the the sets that you've been playing and the events no it's doing a couple of live streams as well and a couple of uh, a couple of recordings so was it DJ Mag you did one 
Yeah, yeah, yeah. That was At the secret in... location, wasn't it? Yeah, that was around this time last year, actually, I think. Yeah. Um, but yeah, that was sick. I mean, um, yeah, TS7 got in touch. Uh, it was just like, yeah, I'm doing like a little live stream, a secret location. Yeah. I was like, I'm sold on there. Let's do it. Yeah. But yeah, it was sick. It was really, really sick there. Um, and like while I was playing, I didn't see any of the lights in the background. Right. Like, I was okay. just focused on, on mixing. And then when I watched the footage back, I was like, wow. Visuals, like, the visuals are sick, mate. They look really, really good. Like, the, yeah, it's it's really enticing. It's visually appealing. When you're doing those live recordings, so say you've got someone like approaching you, like DJ Mag, or you've got like a boiler room set that you know that's going to be recorded, um, or if you got asked to do like a key pass or something like that, how much do you feel that there's that much more pressure? Because you're like, right, this is going out on YouTube. There's going to be people that are listening to this over and over and over. There's going to be people being able to jump in the comments and stuff like that. Does that play on your mind at all, or do you just try and like mute that out? I try, I try and avoid it because. Um... It's just not, it's not healthy to, to look at uh, YouTube comments, especially YouTube, because, yeah, people are just very, very opinionated. And, like, while I was playing, I was thought the mixing wasn't great, and I was like, I'm definitely going to get some slack in the comments. Yeah. But, uh, yeah, I sort, of, I sort of did look. And, yeah, it was all just good, really, really good feedback. Are you quite a perfectionist? Like, are you, are you your own most critic, or are you actually, like, quite calm and chill with it? Yeah, I'm quite chill with it. Like, I can understand where people were coming from. And, yeah. You know, I, just, I just laugh, you know. Can't take it seriously. Nice. nice. You can't nice. please everyone. That's no, it. you can't please everyone all the time, mate. That's one thing. Yeah, you absolutely cannot please everyone uh, all yeah. the time, and you'll yeah, you'll go, you'll get uh, you'll get lost like in yourself if you try and do absolutely do that. And exactly. regardless of whatever industry you're in, you have to yeah. realise that yeah, not everyone's going to be happy all the time. And if you do, like, if you are like, I feel like middle of the road. Nobody wants to be middle of the road. Like, if if you're sort of like just having that sort of not have an impact on anyone's life, and you are quite. I don't want to say bland, but like proper middle of the road, sort of like not really having an impact on people's lives, which are which won't offend anybody or won't do anything like that. They're not going to really mm. change the industry as much. I don't feel like I yeah, exactly people that are quite sort of yeah, quite plain. Not tonight. You're not on the list. Yo, this is MPH, and you're listening to the You're Not on the List podcast for Rewind That Track. So take it all the way back to the start there, because we did mention about sort of like, would you number one? Would you class yourself as um? What sort of category would you put yourself in? Would you say UK based producer, or would you say sort of like UKG, or would you say? I'd say just like a blend, yeah, a blend of both. I've seen like genre wars in comments about mm. like some of my releases, but I, I mean I don't tend to like stick to a specific genre. It's just like what what I what I make. Yeah, yeah it's it's like a blend of the two. Um, yeah, but I wouldn't really put it down to just UK based or UKG. I mean, yeah. some tunes I make are more uk based and then other tunes are just strictly ukg but yeah i'd like to say like a blend too and when you said there about uh comment wars in the in the comments like what obviously you're not going to remember anyone's names but what is this people saying like oh i really love this baseline track and someone's like this is ukg it's not baseline yeah, yeah. like yeah, something yeah. like that yeah it's like oh oh this baseline tune's so good it's like nah it's ukg and then someone else is like oh yeah this drum and bass is sick yeah and everyone's just like Piles in. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah, there's, yeah there's, obviously, I, I do feel for it as well because everyone's going to be, you don't know what people's, uh, number one, not everyone's going to be a music expert or a yeah, music exactly. pro. Like, if they're there sharing love and they're saying it's nice, if they sort of label it wrong, it's like, well, it's not that, the, the motive behind their message is a positive one. So just because yeah. they've got sort of like a, a name behind it, like, let's actually look at what the, it was a positive comment regardless of like whether they've got the, the BPM yeah. right or whether they've got the, the category that it goes into right. So it is a shame because you do see some people like absolutely getting ripped to shit. Like, well, that, <laughs> for all you know, that could be like a 30 year old lads who's just got into this music really likes it um or it might be someone across the ponds like in america like oh loving this they might have called it drum and bass or jungle and something instead and they're like oh okay well they haven't necessarily got the the same amount of culture over there in like drum and bass and jungle and everything like that as we do in the uk so maybe potentially that's why 
they've mislabeled it and maybe yeah. it's like, <laughs> maybe I mean, don't I, lay into I, them. <laughs> I remember like, there was like this deep house tune. It was back when I was like 14, 15. And I just didn't know what to like put the genre to. So I was like, like searching like old trance tune or like yeah. just completely mislabeling the, the genre. But it's, it's fine. I mean, if you're not too clued up on it, as long as yeah. you enjoy it. And everyone's yeah. learning, isn't they? Like I said, there's yeah. long someone to take away from that and they go like, oh, okay, cool, right, that's what you label that as type thing. But to take all the way back to the start, we were discussing before there, you're from, from Kent originally. Yeah. What's your earliest memories with music? So whether that's sort of music around the house, whether that was sort of first raves and events, whether that's, I'll, I'll be honest, I've not been out, I've not been out uh, raving or partying in Kent, which is surprising because obviously Canterbury, uh, one of the bigger, bigger sort of universities uh, in the UK that have like for the, for like a party scene, I feel like from that neck of the woods and down the end of the country, I would say it's like quite a big one. I had quite a few friends that went to Canterbury. So I don't know whether that's just my perception of it being seen like, oh, it's quite bigger, it's quite popular or was it sort of like, a, is Canterbury quite a, quite a, um, a vibrant Same. place? Canterbury is just purely like tech tech house. And is just it? Like, yeah, yeah, yeah. For the most part. I mean, you have club chemistry and they do nights where yeah. it's more like, you know, CT Fest is a, yeah. is a brand where they have people like Sammy Virtue and people like that down. Apart from that, it is mostly just like clubbing, you know. You just go mm-hmm. out to get drunk and uh, pull. My earliest experiences, yeah, I got this um, when I was like 15, 14, 15. I got a Pure Garage cd okay. mixed by ez yeah and so i was just like fascinated by you know how in albums where one song will like smoothly transition into the next mm-hmm. i was like always fascinated by that and i think that's probably where the dj side of things started for me i guess yeah because you were listening to these tr- smooth like you said seamless transitions yeah, of, yeah. Uh, the tracks being blended into each other and thinking like, oh sick how's this how's this happening mm-hmm. um and then also like do you remember dj hero I do remember DJ yeah. Hero. So for those that don't know, it's, it was it was a very short-lived one. I think they did two, didn't they? Yeah, it was like two. one or two. And it was it's made by the same people that make Guitar Hero. So people will be aware of Guitar Hero. People will be aware of Rock Band. Obviously, like uh, you played a guitar or you played drums or you play, like sang inside with a tune, um, yeah. inside with a different music and played it along. And they did two intera- in like carnations of it, of, uh, of DJ. And so you had that little deck, didn't you? Like at one turntable. had yeah. three. I think it only had three or four colours on it. Uh, yeah, it had like three buttons. Yeah, um, and you sort of scratched uh, well you press down the button and basically scratch yeah. the turntable in time with the beat um, but I do remember when that coming out when that was coming out we were talking about there like multi genres and multi sort of like uh, just different tunes being mixed together like I remember getting the track list I do remember illegally um, downloading <laughs> the whole playlist on like LimeWire yes. or downloading it back in the day being like this or like from Pirate Bay sort of like the um, the the yeah whatever the um, whatever the playlist was for it and some of those tunes and some of those blends mixed together like back yeah, in the day were yeah this is what i mean like i didn't even have the game like i literally just went on youtube and i was just listening to these like blends and i was yeah. just like how how have they even done that like it's just insane and then you took that obviously like that game and we're like you know what i want to try this out with my actual music like <laughs> yeah so i got um i got virtual dj mm-hmm. so obviously i didn't have decks or anything and um at that time, I was like religiously watching um, EZ's like three and a half hour boiler room oh, set. Mate, the one on New Year's Day. <laughs> the one on uh, New Year's Day, yeah. yeah. So he starts yeah. off He starts off with the CDJ. Sorry, starts off, yeah, with the CDJs. Mm-hmm. Um, then there's like a little 30 minute uh, iteration with uh, uh, Majestic, isn't he? Where he comes in yeah. and yeah. And then yeah. he finishes on vinyl. But yeah, mm-hmm. a, that's a really, really good set. The crowd is lively. Like the crowd, like we were saying in there, we were talking about earlier. He's in the middle of the room. Crowd sort of like 360 around him. High energy, sort of 
transitions, like you said, go through like early garagey sort of deep house bits, then moves into a little bit of grime when Majestic um, is doing like bars over the top of it and sort of like some grime instrumentals, garage instrumentals, and then moves towards the end of like deep house and disco a little bit as well. But that is a live set. That is a really, really live yeah, set. You were, so try- good, you were trying to duplicate that and copy that where you're with virtual <laughs> DJ. I mean, yeah, yeah, pretty much. I mean, um, obviously I was like fairly clued up on like old school garage and that's what I started mixing on. But yeah, basically I downloaded Virtual DJ and I was like, right, I'll give myself like five minutes on this software. If I don't like it, I'll just turn it off. That'll be it. And then here we are now. So. Nice. So for people that aren't aware, Virtual DJ is basically a, a DJ program that allows you to DJ without having any controller, any mixer. You could literally use a mouse and a keyboard to load up tracks, get the BPM right. Um, they had a couple of like, I think like I probably, the last time I think I probably used Virtual DJ was maybe around 2010, 11. So mm. there'll be a lot of inter- like reincarnations of it since then. But um, like you had effects as well, didn't you? So like you could have add effects to like different tracks as well, like you would like on a DJ and yeah. mixer. And yeah, it allowed you to basically just just wet your wet your whistle with DJing and mixing <laughs> and blending with those early tunes. I think I've, I remember the first mix I ever did on Virtual DJ that I put up on the SoundCloud was Mr. Happy DJ Hazard and Psychedelic as well DJ Hazard. I remember yeah. just using the grabbing the mouse and smashing yeah, the crossfader yeah, yeah. across like yeah, yeah. It left and right, <laughs> it left and right. Um, but yeah, it was good. I think that yeah, I think because because it was free software as well, wasn't it? Virtual DJ. It was yeah yeah. I think it was. Free. Free as like a trial, and yeah. If you bought it, you'd get like all these extra things, but yeah. So, um, and sort of that was sort of how you were doing the early mixes, and like you said, mixing some of those garage tunes that you were like listening to, yeah. and then sort of what were the next sort of steps there? So, uh, I did the classic, I got the old new marks, new yeah. Mark, it's still about the eighth time it's appeared yeah, on the podcast yeah. now. The Mixtrap <laughs> Pro 2, Mixtrap Pro 2, Pioneer. If you do want to sponsor it, uh, yeah. I will take payments in Mixtrap Pro. I think there's a Mixtrap Pro 3 now, actually. Yeah, that's the one I got. That's the one I got. Oh, nice. Um, okay yeah so i got that and i was just so gassed to actually be able to like touch the knobs and the crossfaders instead of just using my mouse and keyboard and like i had a faulty one so i had to get like a bit of elastic band and like pull the crossfader up otherwise it wouldn't it wouldn't like register that it's up and so you'd only have one channel so i just strapped some elastic band around the the bass knob was it brand new as well yeah, it was brand new. You didn't want it's, it's didn't not want really to return it? Uh, yeah, yeah. But it, apparently it's like a common thing. So I was right. just like, well, if I just get another one, it's just going to do it as well. So. Yeah. Yeah, it's dirt cheap as well. So I was just yeah, like, yeah. It was about. I think they were, I think the Mixtrap Pro Three was about 190, wasn't it? I think probably mm. 190 I or think 200. I got mine for like 130 or something. Oh shit! Even, even cheaper then. So yeah, yeah, that was that was. I remember getting that as well, and that would have been just as I left uni. So it was it about 2016. 15, um, 15, 15, yeah. 2015, sick. Okay, so that was sort of like your first controller and mm-hmm. you're doing, are we just going like stereotypically like playing at house parties, playing at pre's, like doing a couple of cheeky afters and stuff like that, would it? Yeah, yeah. So I was just trying to, <laughs> I was just trying to get any sort of gig. So yeah. I would just go out with my USB like to any live event and I'd mm-hmm. be that guy, that annoying guy at the front just waving my USB at the DJ. What, trying to <laughs> just, say like, can I have a cheeky yeah, yeah, minute go after? On, give us like just five, how, ten minutes. How on. much success did you have? None. 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 <laughs> Uh, around no. the clubs of around the clubs of Canterbury, trying to, trying to get yourself on. Yeah. Yeah. yeah, yeah, yeah. I'd always get from DJs. Oh, I'm on like a strict music policy tonight. They only want like this or this or this. Yeah, and I was just like, come on, mate. Let me just play a bit of garage or something. Yeah, but yeah, uh, never any luck with it. Um, and then yeah, I just started playing at like house parties. Um, my mate started up this 
brand called Delirium. So they would do like tech house nights. And at the end of the night, I'd be spinning just UKG for like the last hour. Okay. But How yeah, did it go down? How did that go down? I mean, it was a lot of, a lot of empty dance floors. Right, a lot okay. of empty dance floors. But I mean, yeah. I was just gassed to be played out. Mm-hmm. Like, just testing my, my blends and that, so. Yeah. And I think that's what, uh, like you said, a lot of people aren't aware of is like, you've got to put in the man hours, you've got to put in the time and the effort. And yeah, I mean, there's, there's different ways that people can pursue success now. Getting your foot in the door and catching the first break can be a constant uphill struggle in the music industry. And sometimes event staff can make it even more difficult. I spoke to Miles about some of the set nightmares he's experienced in his career. What I was trying to say is basically like playing to those empty dance floors didn't necessarily like put you off them at all. It just... No, no, I just, I, I knew from the get-go it would like be like that. I mean, first couple of times I was just like, oh, where is everyone? But yeah, mm-hmm. I mean, you just sort of understand that, you know, you are no one. So yeah. you just got to, you just got to work at it and work and work and work. And I've played some, some very, very awkward uh, gigs. <laughs> Go on, <laughs> are there any, do you spring to mind? Yeah, there was one where I was just like, oh, mate, like, I was just so unlucky. Like, um, I played at this venue called Venue, uh, nice. nice original name. Um, nice. It's in the Canterbury Uni. And doors opened at 10, and there was like a big line out the door because I was supporting my new leg. Okay. And um, yeah, I was on 10 to 11. But for some reason, security did not, any, did not let anyone on the dance floor until exactly the point I got off the decks. Oh, bro. So, <laughs> what, so at 11 o'clock, they were just, they just had in their mind, yeah, like, oh, the venue's not open till 11. And no, they, they, let, they let everyone in. What? They were just, there was like a, there's like an upstairs balcony, which yeah. looks over the dance floor. So everyone is stood there, like crammed there. And then no one's on the dance floor. Oh, and then as soon mate. as I get off, did you yeah. have beef with whoever was running the club or something? Like, do you reckon there was a, was there any sort of reason? That's mad. No. They let them into the venue, but they're like, nah, no dancing. Don't yeah, fucking you... move. Nobody move. You're two-stepping. I can see you two-stepping up there. You stand still. Stop yeah, exactly, moving. Exactly. Yeah. You can't dance to this guy. Yeah, no, you can't dance not, until man. 11 o'clock, all right? It's yeah, like yeah, fucking yeah. Footloose or whatever it is, but with, yeah. With, um, I know, man. And I was like, I got off that and I was just like, wow. God, maybe this isn't meant to be. Yeah. Did you speak, to the, you speak to the organizer or speak to the security afterwards and be like, oh, um, I spoke to the promoter, but they were nice just like, yeah, security, security was just went, went out. That's it. mad. That's mad. The fact that they let them into the venue, like sometimes you hear about them getting like set times wrong or like venue stuff wrong, but like the fact that they were in the venue, but like, nah, dance floors off, but out of bounds to 11. Unheard of. He's just warming up the dance speakers. <laughs> Miles is warming up the speakers. He's just got to warm up the speakers. Yeah, get their sub nice and warm. Yeah. Um, oh, mate. Okay, fair enough. Well, that's, yeah, that's interesting that that sticks in your mind. Playing in, you were playing in venue. Uh, you've, you've been practicing on your new, new Mark Mixtrack Pro 3. You've managed to get a couple of like, like bookings and a couple of like mm. venues played out in, in Canterbury. Um, and then sort of what are the, uh, what are sort of the next steps then mate for sort of like you producing wise, because a lot of it, you, we haven't really mentioned sort of about production there. We haven't really mentioned about, um, sort of any of the like, yeah, original sort of production stuff that you were doing there. How did that come around? I sort of knew that, I mean, DJing would only get me so far. And I think I've always wanted to make music like from young age, seeing like people like, uh, Martin Garrix and Avicii and just like absolutely smashing it and playing these massive stages. I was just mm. like, yeah. I reckon I'd, I'd have a crack at it. Um, so I got uh, this software called FL Studio. It used to be called Fruity Loops. Same mindset as when I got Virtual DJ. I was just like, right, I'll give this like 510. Just mess about. And then, um, yeah, I just watched loads of YouTube videos and tutorials on it. Um, and then just 
through hours and hours and hours of trial and error. Um, I eventually started putting out like structured songs. Yeah. Um, and then I released my first ever tune. It was an A and B side on a record label called Highly Swung Records. And yeah, since then it's just been make tunes, sign to labels, release. Repeat, yeah. repeat, 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 slowly building up, slowly building up. How mm-hmm. was sort of in the first sort of productions? Were you sharing these sort of on like Facebook groups? Or were you sharing these on like sort of to your story? Like, did you have much for following at the time, like on, on socials at all? Or were you just sort of like just sending it out to friends and sort of hoping for the best? Yeah, I mean, I was sending it out to friends. Um, I'm, I was in the group uh, Lengoland from quite early, sort yeah. of like 2015 or 16. Um, so I'd post like clips on there, just like video clips um and a couple like did well and i was like oh sick right i'm gonna keep at it um but yeah i mean you just sort of build up a network of just like other producers that you rate like you send you find out their promo email you keep sending yeah. them tunes um eventually they reply or they like oh this is sick keep it up or yeah if you're lucky they'll play it out and then yeah you literally just build it up well i just build it up from that so fantastic man and who do you think if you could name if you can name one person who you think has been really helpful and beneficial to you in that sort of instance of being supportive and sort of like or maybe giving you advice or being like um from a creative perspective or even from like a social perspective of being like don't be disheartened or like do do this because this is effective and impacting have you got sort of any names or name that you could shout out and be like this person's sick in this industry hmm. um i remember seeing a big post on langerland about it i think djq put it up and it was basically just like do not be disheartened by no plays, no, you know, no likes on Instagram, slow following or like you release a tune that's not done that well. I mm-hmm. mean, if if the music's good, uh, I'm not saying my music's good, but if the music's good, like eventually people will listen. And, you know, you just, I know everyone says it, but you just got to keep at it. Like yeah. assistance and just, you know, consistency and just, yeah. Yeah, 100%, mate. Um, can you talk us a little bit about your... The, the meaning behind the name, MPH. I'm assuming it's because first name's Miles. And yeah, just yeah a, lot of thought, a lot of thought went into that oh, one. Okay. <laughs> I've, just, I've just summarised it there in one. Just uh, first name Miles, MPH, Miles per hour. Nice. There you go. I like it. I like it. Um, figure that out. Yeah, yeah. Well, my, people might not know your name's Miles, to be honest. I mean, I opened up and called you Michael in the first sentence. So <laughs> just, uh, you've got you've got a couple of aliases. Did you ever go under any other aliases? Have we got any sort of embarrassing names that you want to uh, let out into the into the ether, into the air now? No, I mean, there's a lot of brainstorming over what my name should be. But yeah. I think the first one that came to mind was MPH. And I think yeah. it's really like cheesy, to be honest. But yeah. you just got him. Just gotta embrace it, like you know. Um, I don't think no, I don't think it's cheesy. I think you've run with something that works with your first name. Not everyone will be able to do it. Like, yeah, uh, yeah I'm, just, I'm just self-conscious about it. Yeah, everyone's <laughs> yeah. Like I said, everyone's always going to be their own worst critic. Have you got um? Have you got sort of a worst experience in live music? So like, whether that's an event that you think hasn't necessarily, and um, we can bleep out the name, um, and it depends how open and honest you want to be. But has there been a event or a brand that has sort of missed the boat? with that you've been playing at or like has missed the boat at an event that you've been like oh this really shouldn't have happened or this shouldn't sort of be um, yeah be, i think there's yeah. been a couple times like where they've had like a really sick lineup but mm. the set times have just been just had not made sense at all mm-hmm. like uh, where it's like um you're on one this one stage i was playing uh it was it was me as like ukg bass and mm-hmm. then straight after it was like one, one ninety BPM Gabba. 
Wow. And then after that, bro, this is at 8 p.m. as well. Like, fucking hell. 8 till 9, 9 till 10, the Gabba set. And it was just like, Jesus Christ. That's, um, is it, was it a festival? Uh, no, it was a, it was a club in London. Wow. Um, <laughs> I'll, I'll bleep it. I'll bleep it. Who, which, what was the event? Uh, it was, uh, it was at the Cause in Tottenham. Yeah, but, bro, it was just like, Really, I mean, one thirty-five BPM up to like one ninety. That's a jump like, point. That is it. Yeah, yeah. This is like Jesus. So Christ. early doors as well. Was the crowd? Who was the crowd for? Like, who was the crowd? What, what was sort of like the headliner at that event? Um, I think Darkseid was playing. And like, okay, I'm so we did go back maybe. down to. Okay, so then it did go back down to baseline, and then went to drum and bass. Yeah, but there was like loads of different stages. There were like eight or nine different stages all at the same time. So yeah. people just had no idea where to go. Um, that's mad yeah anyone that doesn't that might be listening and goes what the fuck is Gabba uh, it's like a very very like you said 190 BPM heavy industrial hardcore I think it's from the Netherlands originally isn't it yeah, like, yeah uh, the origins of it I think the origins of it like I might be totally wrong there geographically but uh, it's very heavy hardcore um, for people to think like drum and bass is intense or harder and stuff like that it's like add another 15 BPM onto it and um, the drums and the soundscape and everything is a lot more aggressive I don't um, even know how you dance to it, to be honest. Yeah, do you, so, do you know what? There was a series that used to go, yeah, uh, it used to be on Vice on YouTube. It called like Big Night Out. And they had this mm. presenter which would go to a different night. Um, he'd go to seven different nights in the UK like to see like UK music culture. And he'd do like, it was quite cool actually. It was like mini documentaries, but each of these nights. And um, what, so he did like, he did a drum and bass night um, and reviewed it and spoke to the crowd and spoke to the people. Then he did like a, um, he did a grime night and did, reviewed it, spoke to the crowd, spoke to the people. Just did a student night, did a Gabba night. Um, and did a couple, uh, heavy metal night and something else night as well. And then one of the episodes, the Gabba one, is like uh, is intense and it is like it's cool. <laughs> it's interesting to sort of see the culture and you do see how people dance to it um, and you do see see like the wear and like uh, just people's clothes and sort of like the culture around it. It's good. Shout shout out to that. I'll stick the link in the bio for um, anyone that wants to check out these. Cause it, some people will be recognise it. It was called Big Night Out and the presenter used to sort of be quite big on Noisy and Voice. I think before uh, before Noisy closed. Down. Did he do a UK hip hop one? He might. Have. He got, he's yeah, got a, a guy that's got dark hair, um, yeah. sort of, and he did one that was like a, it was one in London. I think it might be an indie night, and he dressed mm. up in like um, the oh God, I can't remember what it's called now, like a beefy costume for um, <laughs> for like um, for uh, the Libertines like front cover. So that was sort of like yeah. that. So early doors, and like you were saying, that we, I mean, we've had people on the podcast discussing it about it before as well. But the the list and the order that set times go in, the list that an event does go on, and how that will shape and influence and impact the crowd and will impact the atmosphere and the vibe. Like it's obviously difficult and near on impossible if you've got a long list of artists and DJs playing at different events in the evening. You're not always going to be able to go like up. Um, ascending order in BPM yeah. but that's a massive like that we're talking like that's a huge 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 jump Hugely. there like yeah huge huge jump and then what he said as well it's difficult because when tips artists are playing multiple shows in an evening they might have to be like right well if I'm playing here at this time I know that I can't play in London at this time until here because it physically takes three hours to drive across type thing so it's just a uh, yeah I think it comes down to sort of like a artist playing multiple nights like yeah, multiple shows yeah, in one evening, didn't it? Like traveling yeah, across. Yeah. Have you um have you had to do that much at all? Like, so you've had to get, get any double bookings or anything yet, or is it just yeah? Since, since um obviously post lockdown, everything's just sort of like blown up. Um, mm. Doing gigs like nearly every week, uh, thankfully. Um, mm. Obviously, very grateful to be doing it. Um, but yeah, there's been a few times where I've had like a show in Nottingham and then a show in London, mm. and it's like got to get there in two hours. And 30 minutes 
Okay, and, and that's like, literally like you're talking like you're going straight to the venue, like you aren't going to the hotel. Down the like that. Yeah, getting straight to the venue with like five minutes to spare. Jeez, like, stressful, Stress. but yeah, I mean, I enjoy it. It's, it's yeah. sick. Like it's obviously it's what I've wanted to do. So yeah, have you missed many sets yet? What as in not not turned up or yeah, or just, just like, because. Been late? Yeah, been late, sort of like, uh, because like you're having to sort of play at different no, venues such, in different places. Such, such weird, but not yet. Okay. Not yet. Do you sort of, how do you class your um, successes now? Like if we would do, I know obviously in the intro we mentioned about like 2.9 million streams on Spotify in 2021 and mm. like 148 countries this year. I think I looked at the previous years as well. Um, th- this is a rough ballpark figure as well. But like the year before that, I think prior was like 81 countries or something like that. So yeah. like you've nearly gone up like 100% like like country-wise i think your streams were i think the year before around sort of like eight hundred thousand. so you've mm-hmm. like tripled that sort of thing keeping on that progression and keeping on that path is that sort of how you sort of classify and sort of look at how you are succeeding or do you sort of measure it on a different number or like do you measure it in something else yeah i mean i didn't really get properly into spotify um until like beginning of lockdown I, d- I just wasn't clued up on it like mm. obviously my releases would come out but you know I wasn't just too cl- clued up on how it works um and then yeah as you said like looking back on over the years seeing the the stream just go up and up and up it's just you know I mean yeah you have to like take a step back and just be like wow yeah sick like this is this is great um and then yeah just in terms of like following across all socials like Hitting milestones. I mean, I just hit 10k followers on Instagram the other day, which is congratulations. Like, cheers, man. Yeah, it's a big, big, um, big milestone for me. And then, yeah, it's just things like that where you're just like, oh yeah, did it. I got here. Mm. All right, next step. You know what's next, mm. sort of thing. Do you um? Because you've got a you've got a manager, haven't you? I, say uh, yeah, no. I shouldn't yeah, ask a question with a question on the end of it. You've got a manager, <laughs> haven't you? Like, that's not a statement. Uh, how much, and you might be able to answer this openly, and honestly, you might be able to go like, can't really talk about that. Um, <laughs> how, how much is there of an influence or how much attention is there to, from your manager or management of being like, we need to get the following numbers up because this is what some people are looking at for bookings or we need to get the following numbers up because this is how we're, justifying putting out sort of like this sort of fee for a set or this sort of thing is there that conversation ever going on or is it sort of strictly um, um around something else so when i when i got signed to this this management um they were like so what have you got up and coming and like what have you been working on mm. i sent them like just a massive folder of tunes and they were like all right we're good like we're sorted. Yeah, so they didn't <laughs> so, need to see numbers. They didn't need to say anything, bits and pieces like that. No, like, because I mean, they were. I mean, they were just saying to me, "Oh, you're going to blow up." I, I don't believe I am. That's just me being, you know, self-critical and everything. But yeah. they were just saying that, and they were just like, "Don't, don't worry about anything. Just keep pumping the tunes up." Okay. So yeah, we didn't really have. I mean, yeah, we didn't really have that conversation. We were just like, just keep, keep growing and growing. Well, that's fantastic as well. And that's another compliment because like you said, I don't know whether that's that management's um, criteria with all artists um, mm. or I don't know whether that's sort of like their their outlook, but they literally look, look to your content rather than looking at sort of numbers or being like, well, we need to get this number up to this number. Yeah. Because they, asked, they went, fuck, right now, nah, we're sick. We can see your growth on Spotify. We can see your bits and pieces like this. Like we've just actually seen what you've got in the pipeline. So just, yeah, you do you. You do you, <laughs> is what they've said. And then been like, yeah, leave the rest of it to us. Did much change when you got um, when you got management as opposed to when you were sort of doing everything independently? Yeah, I mean, all in like a couple of months, I'd say. Um, 
management took me on and then they were like, right, we need to get you an agent. Um, and I was like, I was always saying that Earth is probably like my dream agency mm-hmm. to get on. Um, so they reached out to an agent on Earth and a couple of weeks later, I'm on it. I was nice. like, wow. <laughs> it's like all from like a month, it just sort of took off. And then I think that was uh, sort of April time last year. Yeah. And then, yeah, I just started getting bookings coming in for like when lockdown eventually came out. Yeah. Um, or when we got out of lockdown. And then, yeah, it's just it's just been amazing ever since. Like, so do you think the benefit of them is like they've got connections and they've got sort of contacts in the industry that they can sort of utilize their time and effort into getting you those bookings because they're like, well, we, we know that Miles would be suitable to play here. Like we know that Miles yeah. would be able, like, be able to play here. Like we, MPH like fits into this type of lineup so we can put him mm. here type of thing. Whereas you might not have necessarily been able to do that off your own back because you physically haven't just got those connections with people like with the yeah. venues or with the booking agents or stuff like that. Yeah, I mean like when, when um, promoters are like talking to agents and they can like, be like, oh yeah, we've got this person, uh, and then they'll like send them like music or whatever. I mean, mm. I think it's mostly from festivals that kind of stuff happens. With like club shows, a lot of the time it's just been people reaching out to my agent to just book me, mm-hmm. um, especially in the first few months. And I think it's the same now. But yeah, uh, with the right agent, you can go. You can definitely mm. go far. Yeah, that's sick, mate. That's um, yeah, that's interesting to know because uh, there's a lot of people out there that that absolutely love them, and there's obviously a lot of people that have had issues with them in the past and stuff like that. So it's good yeah. to get a balance. It's good to get a balance um, across the uh, across sort of like the spectrum. There are hundreds of venues around the UK, but artists and punters can have an entirely different outlook on them. I wanted to find out what Miles' favourite was. What's your favourite club in the UK and uh, and why or like venue? I'm going to say stealth in Nottingham. Okay. Just because I don't know. It's there's something in the water in Nottingham because people just go nuts. Like yeah. I have not had a crowd like it anywhere else. I played notions outside a tour. I played in the cell. It's a small venue in Nottingham. Mm. And this was at like 10 to 11, the set time. This was a, a double booking, so I had a, a gig in London afterwards. Yeah. And it was rammed front to back. Every single tune I dropped just got the maddest reaction. Yeah. And it like gives you so much confidence to just like switch up your, your sets a lot more and just throw some curveballs and like stuff you wouldn't usually play because yeah. they would just go nuts for anything. Yeah. Like what sort of curveballs are we talking here? Are they sort of like proper left field? Just like like um one forty sort of dubstep stuff that okay. you wouldn't really usually hear in like a UK Well, I mean, nowadays you probably would. Um but yeah, it's nice to just drop a couple of those, throw a few curveballs and everyone yeah. just goes nuts for it. So Yeah. I think um like it's a lot of about having respect for the DJ as well and like um knowing that they're taking you not necessarily on a journey, but like having trust mm. in them and that if a DJ like I mean all DJs do it and they'll tell us stories and uh, and anecdotes about like playing dropping something in and the crowd just not going for it at all. And it's just like silence oh, yeah. and kills the set and stuff, which is obviously part and parcel and, like, and and another aspect to it that could happen. But it's sick that obviously, like you said, you've got that confidence with the crowds, they're going with you. And they know that even, like, even if you drop like one dubstep tune or you drop something that's a little bit heavier or a little bit more meaty than what they're expecting, they know that, oh, it's not going to be this for the whole set type thing. It's like, okay, cool. Yeah. Well, it's just like a palate cleanser as well, isn't it? It's like something yeah, a little yeah. bit different and, um, and just changes the, changes the pace of the setup and stuff like that. Have you, uh, have you done it? before where you've dropped something and it's just absolutely like I just explained they're like totally fucked up and you're like oh should have done that yeah this is this is what I mean like in Lux it was fine yeah um, 
I did the same thing in London that night, dropped yeah. the same tune. <laughs> and the, the, the people were just looking at me like, what? Like, just, oh, just like, no. so confused. I mean, I think it was just like in London, it was just a lot of like uni students and yeah. people just there on a night out. Yeah. It was at E1. Okay. And uh, yeah, I dropped this one tune. It was just like no reaction at all. What was it? Uh, it was a Hamdi tune. Not Slate okay. and Hamdi because he's no. mad. Yeah, mad great. Producer. Yeah, 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 yeah. Great. Um, but yeah, it was just a bit too heavy for him, I think. Yeah. No? Yeah, no, they, they weren't, weren't going in. But like it. you said, it's interesting that you'd done it literally two hours prior, two and a half hours prior. The reaction had been sick. The event had been sick. They'd gone with it. It was earlier in the exactly. night as well. Early, early earlier in the year. night, they'd gone with it. So it does just go to show you that the crowds and the location can have such a fucking massive impact on, yeah, um, it's, it's on your set. It's weird, but yeah, yeah it's, it's a weird thing. But yeah. On your set. But it also gives faith and it's nice for people listening to this. If they are planning a set this weekend or if they go to see someone and they do have that sort of like soul crushing thing where you're like, oh, oh God, just swallow me up whole, please. <laughs> like, please, I just want to get off the stage. Like, nobody's gone with it. Then uh, just, just style it out. Just allow it. Yeah, you've got yeah. it, you've just got to style it out for two minutes, max, two mm -hmm. minutes, max, and then mix in mm -hmm. something else. So that's a, it's refreshing to hear that. It's yeah, I, I mean, I've had... Um, I've had everything go wrong. I mean, there was an event in Leicester I played before lockdown. And in the green room beforehand, everyone was like telling each other their emergency loop stories. So like okay. obviously when when the, something happens to the decks or the USB unplugs, it will just go into an emergency loop, and mm. like a four bar loop of the, of the tune. And I was like, oh, that's never happened to me. Oh, that's never, never happened to me. First tune I dropped on a back to back. I'd, I like raise my hand uh, to like gas the crowd and like yeah. hit the USB. Just sent it into the crowd? Uh, no, no, it just knocked it a little bit, but that was enough to just, just set stick the loop it on. into a four bar loop on the drop. So it's just, it just sounded so weird. Oh, that's not good. Like, that's not what you want. Nice. Sick. I jinxed myself. Yeah, but, you yeah. did. You did. There, but you learned a lesson just to, yeah, you, you're sailing too close to the wind. You're like, nah, I'll be fine. It's never happened to me. Fuck this. And then you're like, shit. Yeah. It would be worse though. Like you said, if you just yeeted it into the crowd, like that's oh, even, how are you getting yeah, that back? Yeah, I never used to take like up USBs. So like, yeah. Oh, like, you would have been fucked. Geez. Yeah. Well, that's climb into the crowd. Yeah. Excuse me. Is anyone got my USB, please? <laughs> yeah. Thanks. Oh, that yeah, would be could have gone worse. Could have gone, yeah, gone worse. It could have gone worse. What's a what's a bit of advice you would give for anyone? Say, for example, there's someone listening to this this podcast and they're playing their first set this Friday or this Saturday. Um, what's a piece of advice that you would give to a to a DJ that you would like go? This will be useful to you. It's your first set. Just read off the crowd. I reckon, like, plan your set, but don't plan it to a T where like you've got every blend rehearsed because mm. something is bound to go wrong you're mm. bound to get distracted by like you know if it's like a peak set time and um you drop a tune everyone's getting gassed you may forget oh shit i was, I was meant to queue up the, the next tune here yeah and it can throw you off so just practice like mixing on 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 the fly if that makes sense yeah. and just sort of like judging the crowd um knowing what tunes work with each other and just sort of just, you know, freestyling a bit. Not tonight. You're not on the list. Yo, this is MPH, and you're listening to the You're Not On The List podcast for Rewind That Track. Just to finish up on, if you could um, if you could change up one thing from the music industry, like if you could do like, I've got a like magic genie wish, like you can change one thing about the music industry. It could be something to do with like the, the, the pre-booking stage. It could be something to do with like the crowd or venues or like rules that venues have or stuff like that. What's one thing that you would change if you could? Hmm. Ooh. Mm. Nah, I was going to say something, but it would get me in trouble. My manager would be 
fuming. So yeah, I mean, I I wouldn't. I, like, I enjoy all aspects of it, like even just the things that go wrong or the yeah. things that you know. It's it's just like I love the industry and I just love playing out and you know. There's not much I would change, really. I mean, it's it's sick. It's 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 my dream job, and I yeah. do it full time now. So, yeah, yeah, man. I'm just I'm just enjoying all of it. Spot on. I'd do three bottles of water. That's what I'd do. Three bottles of water. Yeah, three bottles I of water. I work for the, for for, for, like just the for crowd. life. Just the crowd. Yeah. Just, yeah. Just to keep everyone healthy and safe. Yeah. yeah. And just bottles of water. I understand like someone's got to be paying for them, but if I could just be like, yep, everyone's got three bottles of water. I know oh, a lot yeah. of places do give out drinking water, but it's just oh the fucking look you get off of, look off you get off of like someone if you ask for free mm. drinking water is like you just spat in their face. <laughs> like, it's not like Ibiza where they charge yeah. like fifty euros. Oh god, well yeah, that's the other side, isn't it? Of going like yeah, well that's way too far the other way. But um, yeah, or food, more venues doing foods, you know. Oh yeah, I mean it's yeah. difficult for like there's so what is it? Um, egg egg in London has that little pizza thing like um at yeah, their place. Yeah, 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 and yeah. warehouse project has an outside area where they can serve foods but um mm. i know most people aren't going to a rave for food but if you've got a little day sesh and if you like you've just been drinking for a few hours and stuff like that yeah it's like having tactical, food yeah having little, food little just gives you that little boost of like yeah, man. right i'm gonna get those calories and get that energy in again it just it can save a it can save an event it can mm. save an event in the summer we get those day parties or those day sets like 12 hour ones a little bit of food goes a long way yeah exactly man yeah that's a good shout more food more water Miles, exactly. it's been a pleasure to chat to you today, mate. Um, it's interesting. I'm, I'm very happy that the Mixtrack Pro 2 has had a, a new iteration into the podcast in the Mixtrack <laughs> Pro 3. Um, I'm very happy as well that DJZ's uh, Boiler Room set is absolutely still getting shelled um, up and down the country and still is getting brought up a lot as well. It's three and a half hour one. It's probably the longest Boiler Room set, to be honest, I think that I've listened to. Um, mm. I don't think it's like a longer, longer one, all in one. Um, and I don't think there's sort of that. I think it's probably that that one. Is there any other sort of other standout boiler room sets you can think of now that you're just like right? This is sort of cultural. Um, uh, this is iconic for me. It's it's yeah, just just these ads boiler room. Yeah. So actually, there's uh, there's um you know Maya Jane Coles. Yeah, yeah, Jane yeah, Coles? yeah. There was um there's that one that went viral of um she was playing and then someone's like walking through the crowd. She's holding a drink in her hand and then it gets knocked and it goes all over the legs. Mm. I haven't like, seen that. What does oh, yeah, she wear? Like? Classic. Um, she was just like in shock. Um, luckily, it didn't really affect the deck. So, oh, you know. that's handy then. That's but, handy. Jeez. <laughs> Imagine yeah. being that person. Stressy like, as well. And also ooh. when you know it's been recorded and you know it's like a stream out that one. It's a, yeah. It's, a, yeah, it's, a, it's different. It's different vibes. So uh, shouts to Maya for keeping a call. Shout out to yeah, my man. for keeping a call and just thinking like, no, I'm not going to overreact to it there, man. But, <laughs> but yeah, like I said, like, like, obviously have, hearing the influences that, that EZ had, um, the production wise, like with his with the album and like with his D- DJ and set wise, like um, doing bits and pieces. Uh, also learning that like, I didn't realise that Canterbury was such a tech house, uh, a techie house place as well. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Reventing bits and pieces. Yeah, I mean, it's mostly just um, resident DJs and that, you know, yeah. just like uh, putting on small like tech house nights. You don't really see any UKG or, or bass apart from like sort of CT Fest and yeah. Sound Project as well. Yeah. But yeah, Would I'd you... like to see more of it, but, you know. Do you ever think about putting on an event yourself? Maybe. Maybe one day, but I don't think yeah. I'm anywhere near the following to be able to do that, I reckon. Yeah. So maybe in the future. We'll see. Listen, mate, I've told you once, I've told you twice, you know what I'm on the list. All right, all right.